One item of note before we get into the message. Next Sunday is our, we call it an annual meeting, but really I put up here, it's food, friendship, celebration, huddling together to think about where our church has been, where we are, where we're headed, um, and, and how we're going to surrender, listen, and obey going forward. And one of the things that we always do, we have a section in our time together, um, is about looking back. And so as I was thinking about it this week, um, I don't know if it was a nudge or, or I'm just trying to pass the buck, but I, what I plan to do is open it up to you and give you an opportunity to do what I call popcorn testimonies. You know, popcorn is just pop up and get down quickly. It means not a sermon, it's not a long time, but just over the last year or so, how have you seen God work in you or other people in our congregation? What have you experienced? Um, what, looking back on it, can we look back and say this, these were moments um, that we loved in being the church? So it could be learning community, it could be fellowship kinds of things, it could be interaction with other people. But I just want you to pray this week and think about, God, what is it that you want us to highlight? So that's a warning. you got a whole week to think about it. So the way the annual meeting goes <clears throat> is after worship, we reset the room and we have dinner. And we take plenty of time just to enjoy time together, eating together, um, having friendship, getting to know some other people. Um, there's a sign-up sheet at the end of the hallway. We're asking everybody to bring a main dish and a side dish to share um, so that there's enough food. And then after all of that, we pause and, and um, then we just spend some time talking about stuff that we need to talk about. And about an hour or so. The, uh, we'll be done by three. So we're done with worship about noon, have a meal, and we need to have the room reset for the Nepali church that arrives about 3.30 for their worship. Um, I think there was something. Oh, and then um, the one official bit of business that we have to do because we're a 501c3 nonprofit in Pennsylvania is we have to pass an annual budget. And so on the back shelf, there's a copy of the proposed budget with a little bit of information for me. And then at the meeting, you'll receive a packet of just information about the church, a lot of different stuff there. So that's next Sunday. Even if you've only been coming for a few weeks, that's a good time to get to know some other people. It's a good time to hear what New Song is really all about. Um, and so come and be a part of the, the meal and, and the fellowship together. And besides that, we need you to help you. help. We need your help to reset the room. So... <laughs> <clears throat> we've been talking about walking in step with the Holy Spirit, knees and nudges, and so I put a little bit of review there over the last few weeks. Um, we've been talking about this Christian life is really about persevering with intensity, persevere with intensity, continue to go, taking one step at a time with zealous determination all the way to the end. We talked about how it's a lifestyle of knees and nudges. Knees means that we begin each day in submission to God, surrender to God and praise to God. We bow our, our bodies and our hearts and our souls and our minds. That's the, the knees and then the nudges is just paying attention for God's direction as we go throughout the day. And we talked uh, how nudges are soul resonating 
words that come to mind or circumstances that we encounter. They're different than um, just ordinary thoughts or ordinary circumstances because we're walking a step and we've got our spiritual antenna high to recognize them. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God so wants to walk with us as Heavenly Dad, that He, his, he loves us so much. He, he's with us constantly. He wants to be our loving Heavenly Dad. He wants to, to, to be involved in our lives. He delights in helping us and encouraging us, learning. He wants to be that kind. And so he's not distanced. He's not uh, scolding. He's not critical. He loves us and he delights in us. And then we talked about how recognizing nudges is a skill. It's not something that comes automatically because you accept Christ as Savior, but it comes as you spend time with Him and you learn to recognize them. So that's where we've been. Today I want to talk about, just build on that some. Um, I do want to thank all of you for your prayers for our family. Um, I was gone last week because my brother's wife's funeral was on Saturday. And so I want to thank all of you that prayed um, because God was, was very present in his comfort and his help. I talked to my brother a couple of days after the funeral and um, he said, I, I, it's somehow the funeral service helped me accept that it's all real, that it really did happen and that now I can begin to move on in my grief. So your prayers, that's, that's a result of God's working in response to your prayers. So I appreciate. Um, and then um, I ask some of you to pray for my best friend growing up, Jim Scobie, who had a heart attack a week ago Thursday, and his, his heart was, was working at 10%. And I honestly didn't think he was going to make it. Um, and I finally got to talk to him last night, and he sounds like the old Jim. It's a miracle. Because he told me, you know what the Widowmaker is? Yeah. He had 100% blockage in that artery, which should have killed him right off the bat. But instead, God provided for him. And my prayer has been, God, um, I'd love to have him around if you've got, still got work for him. But if it's time for him to go home, uh, you know, your will be done. And so his heart is coming back. It looks like um, through medicine, through some treatment, they'll be able to, and his heart is now, it was at 10%. It's now functioning up high enough that they were able to take the pump off. Um, so his heart is actually working. So yeah, it's an answer to prayer. I hate it w when people talk to me and say, you, um, I really love your church, Herb. It just, it makes me cringe because it's not my church. It's God's church. It's our congregation. I hate when people um, hear the stories that I tell and say, wow, you must be special to God because God really works in your life or God really uses you. And so I, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that happened, but I don't want you to say, oh, look at her. What I want you to hear is that could be me. God wants to work in the same way. 
And so the stories that are tell are to give glory to God. It's to give you an example of something um, that you can kind of latch onto. Because like Jesus told stories all the time to help us understand, grasp his truth. That's, that's why I tell the stories all the time. So last weekend, it had been, well, it had been a very busy week. Um, and, and we left early Friday in order to get to my sister's house so that I could do the learning community remotely. And the previous, it just been crazy busy. And then the emotions of thinking about the, the coming weekend with my brother's loss and, and knowing what's going to happen, you know, I, uh, just how I can minister to the family. I, I was one of two pastors that was going to do the funeral service. And we're driving to Springfield, and Sheila, and I, I'm saying, I'm just really tired. And she's, Sheila says to me, um, well, at least you don't have to prepare a sermon. And I said, yeah, that, that takes one thing off my plate that I won't have to worry about. So we arrived at my sister's on Friday, and as I'm talking to her, I, uh, she told me that her pastor, Pastor Earl, had officiated a, sermon, uh, a funeral on Thursday, another one on Friday, and then he was officiating my sister-in-law's funeral on Saturday. And that, in fact, he had officiated 12 funerals since the first of the year. In addition to that, he had COVID two or three weeks before, and so he was still kind of recovering from that. And I thought, boy, that is really tough. You know, that is really hard. Saturday morning, I was on my knees early, and I sense a nudge from God. Offer to preach for Pastor Earl on Sunday. And, and, I, and I wanted to say, but Sheila told me that I didn't have to prepare a sermon <laughs> on Sunday. But as soon as he said it, I knew it was right. Pastor Earl and I go way back. We went to college together. I was kind of his mentor, actually, as an upperclassman when he was a freshman coming in. So we have a long history. So I got to the funeral home, and, and we started talking. And I said, take this for what it's worth. If, you, if you've got something special going on, that's fine. Don't feel any pressure. But I sense God say to me, offer to preach for you. And, and, and remembering that they had two worship services <laughs> instead of one. Now, if, if you've never been a pastor or you've never had the... Uh, it just, it's emotionally and physically taxing to do a funeral. Because you are, not only you're up front, not only are you doing that, but you're working with the family and... And it's taxing to do this, to speak in front of people and to do that preparation. So as I, and as I said that to Earl, I, w- I wish I had a picture because the look on his face was the, this kind of this sly, sly smile and <sighs> because he was just overwhelmed. He was just overwhelmed. But uh, so before, well, let me back up. I missed it. Um, so after I heard that nudge, I went to Sheila and I said, I, I sense this because we were supposed to leave early, go to, to her family on, on Sunday. I said, I sense I'm supposed to offer to. And she looked at me and she says, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> which, which is kind of a natural reaction, you know. And I said, I don't. I said, 
it's, I sense it's from God. It's not me. And she said, well, I'm going to pray that Earl says no. <laughs> See, that's my wife. I'm telling you. She's very practical. But then, then a few minutes later, as she's making breakfast, she goes, I know he's going to say yes. I, I know God, because I'm sensing this is what God wants you to do. So Sunday arrived. We had the funeral on Saturday. Sunday arrived. I was, and, and I got up and went, God, why do I do this to myself? I don't want to do this. But it wasn't an option. Because when it's God's assignment, you do it. So we got there at Wesleyan Church of God outside of Springfield, Ohio. And as I began to talk to Pastor Earl and I began to talk to some of the other people, it's like the Spirit of God said, I am giving you the honor and the privilege to be my kindness to this congregation. They need to hear that I love them. They need to hear that I care about them. They, the, the pastor needs a break and they need assurance. I am using you. I'm giving you the privilege. That's what nudges will do. Because it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do. That's what nudges will do. And so that experience reminds me again about all, a whole lot of the elements of what we've been talking about, knees and nudges and, and walking in step with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to use us and being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so um, I just sense that today God says, here's the essence of the true Christian life. So if you want to pull out your notes there in your Bible, you're going to need your Bible to look up several scriptures. The essence of the true Christian life, three elements of this essence. Number one, it's about following. It's about following. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. Luke, in every one of the first three Gospels, we find this scripture. The wording is a little bit different in some of them, but it, it's, it appears in all three. Luke chapter 9, 23 says, And he said to them, Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, if anyone wants a relationship with me. Yeah, does anybody need a Bible? Need one up here, Pete? Anybody else? If anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what does it say? Follow me. The Christian life is not about religion. It's not about making sure that you attend worship one day a week. It's not about um, you know, giving a little bit. To, it's about following. It's about relationship with Jesus as Lord and us as his followers. It's about Jesus as Lord and us as his followers which is why I hardly ever use the word Christian. I almost always use the word Christ follower because Christian has this connotation that I was born into a Christian family. I was born in the United States of America, and so I'm a Christian. But Christ follower is someone who is a disciple, someone who is following him. And out of the scripture, what we said, what we see is that it's about following. If anyone would come after me, it's an act of the will. It's not an emotional response. It's not just a, something that you fall into. It's an act of the will. It's a choice to say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to walk after Jesus. Here's what we have to do. We, we have to deny ourselves. And that word deny is a similar word 
if not the exact grammatical word, that is used of Jesus when he left heaven in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, when Jesus, it says Jesus emptied himself to leave heaven and his, his position at the right hand of the Father to come to earth. He denied himself. He emptied himself. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to empty ourselves. It's not just... Um, it's not just saying no to popcorn one night. It's not just saying, I, I won't do that. It's saying, I will empty myself. I will give my entire self to him. That's what it means to deny ourselves. 180 degree turn. And then he says, carrying our cross, which is our responsibility, which is oftentimes painful. Pick up your cross and then walk in step with him. Deny Take up the cross and follow Jesus. It's about following. It's not about just signing up. It's not about just praying a prayer. It's about everything in my life following Jesus. So when you start your day on your knees and you're surrendering to God and you're praying, God, I bow before you and surrender and praise. I encourage you to give your day to him. If, there's, if there are meetings coming up, give that meeting to him. Lord, I want you to be Lord of that. I want you to be in charge of this. I'm struggling in this relationship. I want you to be in charge of that. I don't know how to, what this decision should be. I give you, Lord, I'm following you. I'm denying myself what I want, and I'm giving it to you. So following means that we live more and more in step with Jesus. It's a skill. So it's a skill. We begin relationship, but as we live in relationship with him, we grow and we stretch and we move from milk to meat, the Bible says, in, in following him more and more in step with him so that more and more people see what following Jesus is like. If you, if, if um, God did not have a job for you, to represent him, he would take you to heaven. Because that's celebration. That's when we leave all of this mess behind and we get the reward. It's the new Eden. It's the, new, it's the pleasure beyond description. It's going home. But the fact that you are here means that he wants to use you to make more and more people see what following Jesus looks like. Now, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 14. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 14. Here's a verse that should convict. Do everything without grumbling or disputing. And some translations say complaining. Do everything without griping. Because when we're griping, what we're really saying is, God, you don't know what you're doing in these circumstances. And because when you're griping and grumbling, you're not representing Jesus well. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. Why? That you may be blameless and innocent, 
children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. In other words, trust so that more and more people will see what Jesus is like. When you're going through difficult circumstances, they can see what Jesus is like. They can see what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because the way that you approach things and deal with things and endure things is different than the rest of the world. Among whom, here's our job, you shine as lights in the world. What did Jesus say? You're the light of the world. The light of the world. Uh, if you grumble, if, if, no, let me say it this way. If we grumble and complain, we don't have our light on. Right? And they just, they go, well, Jesus must not be any different than what I'm doing. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You shine as the lights of the world. So it's about following. It's about following so that we are more and more step with Jesus. Deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, follow him. And so that more and more people see what following Jesus looks like. Number two, it's about becoming. It's about becoming. So following is an action of walking and step. Becoming is being transformed so we look more and more like Jesus. That we look more and more like him. That we look more and more like him so that more and more people look at us and say, what's different about that person? There's something, there's a, there's a, uh, and they don't even know what it is, but they see it. We become, you might want to write this down. How do we become like Jesus? How do we become more and more like Jesus? Spend time with him. Because we become like what we spend time with. Right? Remember when you're, when you're a kid, your parents telling you, now be careful who you choose as your friends because you're going to become like your friends. You're going to become like those people. And all of us went, no, we're not. But we did. We become, we hang around with people who love sports and we get sucked into that and suddenly we like sports. We become like, um, so, how do we walk in step knees and nudges? Do you remember when I heard the nudge to offer to preach on Sunday? Remember what I was doing? I was on my knees. I'd started my day on my knees and I was praying and I was listening and that's when I heard the nudge. A lot of nudges I hear on my knees. You know why? Part of it is because if we bow ourselves Lord, I surrender myself to you in praise and worship to you. I want my life to be yours today. Here's what, I, here's what the day is like. I want to give it all to you. And we're, and we're listening. We're giving him time to speak. That's why we hear. That's why knees are so important. Because some of the most important nudges I've ever heard are, have been while I've been on my knees. And I think it, it, was, it was that because the whole rest of the weekend was hectic. You know, it, it's time with my mom, time with the family, getting ready to go to the funeral. It was just all this busyness. But when he got alone, God could speak. More and more like Jesus, so that more and more people experience Jesus through us. Now, flip back in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, and you'll want to keep your finger there because we're going to come back to that same spot under the next point. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, we're talking about becoming. We don't become by saying that we're going to become like Jesus. We become like Jesus as we surrender, listen, and obey, as we need, get on our knees and we follow his nudges and he molds us by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 says, and if you're having trouble finding, this is completely irrelevant. After I preached twice and um, we were going out to eat last weekend and my mom, you never know which car she's going to get into. She's got some Alzheimer's going on and and so she just wanders around till she finds one of us that is driving. And so she got in my car. And so Sheila goes, well, I guess I'll ride with your sister. And as we're driving away, my mom said to me, that was really good. I guess you don't have time to fool around and let us actually find the scriptures that you're referring to. <laughs> so so I'm I don't know how long that would be for her. <laughs> but hopefully you found it. I'm trying to give you a little time. Second, yeah. Brings you down to earth, right? Yeah, yeah. Herb, you can be a hero in everybody else's eyes, but your mother will bring you down to reality. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So Moses would go spend time with God, and when he came down off the mountain, they said, cover your face, cover your face, because the glow of, of, the, of the presence of God was overwhelming to them. And so it says he covered his face, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, as they read the Old Covenant, the Old um, Testament, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. In other words, you only understand the ways of Christ by following him and listening to him. And you only become transformed into the image of Christ by being with him. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, which explains why many people, even if you try to explain the gospel to them, they can't understand because there's this veil. There's this separation. There's this blinder. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, being, spending time with him, being in his presence, allowing him to be um, our Lord and Savior, allowing him to guide us and direct us. What, what's happening to us? We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, the Christian life is this process of being transformed from one degree to the next degree, to the next degree, to the next degree. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Being transformed so that we can experience deeper and deeper. So I stand up here and say, the greatest satisfaction that you will ever have is being in the presence of God, is experiencing his presence. When he shows up in whatever way, it's the greatest satisfaction you'll ever, ever have. I didn't get there. And again, I'm not saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. What I'm saying is, 
You don't get there by saying, Lord, I accept you as Savior, and then doing nothing. You get there by walking in step with him and spending time with him and listening to him and experiencing him and being obedient to him and denying yourself and taking up your cross and doing the hard things and allowing him to do whatever he wants to, setting aside other things so that you can do the things that he wants you to do. That's the denying part of being. Becoming being tra- is being transformed so that we experience the satisfaction And then, understand this, so that more and more people experience Jesus through us. Matthew chapter 5, I put it there. Keep your finger in 2 Corinthians. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. The light is not you. The light is the Holy Spirit within you. But we have to let him shine. Before others so that they may see your good works and give God and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Number three, not only following and becoming, but serving. And I, and I put in parentheses, think soldiering. When you think of serving, now, I don't want you to think of as a waitress. I want you to think of a soldier. We call them servicemen. We call them serving our country. That's the kind of serving the Bible talks about. Soldiering. So um, on Saturday we had the, the funeral service and um, the family had, had put together the funeral service. Wonderful, wonderful time of remembering and saying goodbye and looking to God. And they asked me if I would help. So Pastor Earl was, was actually doing the, the message. The family was doing the eulogy. They asked me to welcome and, and open in prayer. And then in the middle of service, kind of facilitate any family members who wanted to say a few words. And then at the very end of the service, closing prayer, closing thoughts. That's all I did. Opening, facilitate, close. That's it. That's all I did. Afterwards, there were people who came up to me, and one in particular said, do you, are, are you a local pastor? I mean, do you... Pre-? I said, well, it's only a 230-mile commute <laughs> if you want to come to Pittsburgh. He says, well, if you were local, I would be there. We're looking for a different church, and I, I would be there. Now, in the past, I would think, wow, I must have done a good job. But very quickly, God just um, dramatically and clearly revealed to me they saw me in you. They didn't see you. And, And it was just so stark. An opening prayer and welcome, facilitating sharing, and a closing. I did hardly anything. And yet there were people coming up to me saying, in essence, what they're saying is, I want what you have. And it's not me. So here's what I walked away with is when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to shine through us and to use us and to serve him, 
they're attracted to him. They're not attracted to us. They're attracted to him. And that's where we get into trouble when we start patting ourselves on the back. That's where, you know, and I hate to be critical of other pastors. or pre- that's, that's where they can get into trouble when they say, look at me, look at my ministry, look at what I've done. No, if, if anybody's attracted to God, it's because of the spirit within. It's not you, which takes the pressure completely off because some of us aren't smart enough to be attractive, right? We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. But if we just let the Spirit of God work, it attracts. And I just walked away. Just It was just such a stark reality. It was Him. I, I, and, and, um, I also recognized that as tired as I was on Sunday morning, it was an incredible privilege for God to say, I want to use you today. You're exhausted, you're tired, but I still want to use you. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Having this ministry, the Holy Spirit flowing within, walking in step with him, becoming more and more like him. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But in, an, the, in the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So that goes back to what we were talking about before, is if people can't see it, it's because they're blinded. The God of this world is blind. The only way that you understand Jesus is that the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do that. That's why we have to pray for people who are lost, that God would, that the Holy Spirit would work so that they would be able to see. And so he says, it's, um, you know, we're, we're doing this not because of us, but because of, of God. Verse five, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. So this is the apostle Paul who was, by most accounts, the, the, the smartest guy who, who was used by God to write any of the New Testament and who had um, penetrated so many places in the known world with the gospel of Christ. I mean, if anybody was successful, it would have been Paul. I mean, that's, that would have been the label. He's saying, no, it's not me. It is not me. Rather, he says, it's not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We are just servants. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He says, if you, re- if you are attracted to me, it's because of Jesus within me. If you like what you see, if you're drawn to this, it's because of what... So one of the things that um, often happens when newer people come to New Song... Um, often they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll say, you know, I, I, I got in here, I just start crying. I don't know why I'm crying. I, I'm, and I go, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> it happens a lot around here. And you know why? It's because you've sensed the presence of God. It's not about the sermon. It's not about the music. Certainly not about the people look around. I mean, really. 
It's about the presence of God. That light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. And this is one of the most encouraging verses to me. The treasure of the Holy Spirit, the treasure of the presence of God in jars of clay. Jars of clay, ordinary vessels that were used for the most ordinary, common things, sometimes nasty things. So that's all we are. Jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. Serving. Serving by obeying. It's not about us. We're just jars of clay. We're just cracked jars. And some of you are cracked pots. (laughs) So that the incredible presence and power of God can show through. And it's, it's, it's... I think, I don't know, I'm, I think I've told you this story before. Um, I think I told you recently, but I'm so old that I can't remember when I tell anything. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and you guys are old, so you won't remember that I said it anyway. Yeah, right. But I remember going back after we had started the church to my home church, and there was this older man, and, you know, I was, I was talking, presenting, you know, all the people who were coming to Christ, and God was working, and, it was, and I was kind of full of myself actually. And at the, end of this, at the end of this sharing time, there's an older gentleman in the church that I grew up in. I didn't know him. I couldn't, I, and to this day, I don't know who he was. But as I'm, as I'm greeting people, he came over and he said, Herb, that's really great to hear how, how God's working over there. And he's shaking my hand. Oh, that's really great to hear. Quite frankly, we didn't expect much out of you. <laughs> and, and then he walks away. And at first, I was offended. <laughs> Going, who are, I'm, I'm thinking, who are you? And what? But very quickly, the Spirit of God said, think about it. And as I got to thinking about it, remembering what I was like when I grew up, I wouldn't have expected much out of me either. Because it's not me. It's the Spirit of God. And it's the same for you. If God ever uses you to do anything good, it's not you. It's just you saying yes. Surrender, listen, obey. And so it's about obeying orders. As we, as, so it's following, becoming, and then serving as a soldier. And what a soldier's responsibility is, is to obey his commanding officer. That's it. Just obey. Do what you're told. Even if you don't understand it, even if you don't like it, even if you don't like the soldiers around you, just obey. That's all we have to do. That's why I emphasize surrender, listen, and obey. That simple. Takes the pressure off. Listen to the nudges that he has to say. And as a result, God gets the glory. And so we serve others so that they experience Christ at God's direction. On that Sunday, on last Sunday morning, I was so tired, I didn't want to do what God told me to do. But I said, it's not an option. You just do it. 
And sometimes, and by the second service, I was so tired going, God, if you can get glory out of this, go ahead. Because I'm just tired. At God's direction, and then at often hard and costly with consequences. We had, I think, 15 guys at the men's study yesterday, and we rewatched one of the speakers, Larry Osborne, from the No Regrets Conference. And he, and he challenged us. He said, many people want to act courageously, but they don't want con- the, to experience the consequences of acting courageously. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have difficulties. But be of your cheer, I've overcome the world. And he says, there are going to be people who hate you. They're going to treat you like they treat me. There are going to be members in your own family that are going to persecute you and, and, and try to turn you away. There are going to be people who excommunicate you and they throw you out of the temple. He says, sometimes this is costly, but it doesn't matter. You do it anyway. You do it anyway. Acts chapter 3, we don't have time. This is an example. We'll come back to this on a later Sunday. But it's the story of how Peter and John, um, after the Holy Spirit came and they were going to the temple, they were going to teach and they saw a lame man and um, they paused and they looked at him and in that moment God nudged them, healed the man and everybody was, should have been happy but instead they got thrown into prison for it. It's costly to surrender, listen, and obey, to be transformed, to, to follow, to become, and then to serve. I put one last statement under what do we do with this? The true Christian life is satisfying beyond description because of the, and I, and I just, this, this term came to me and it's, too smart a statement for it to be me. Because of the joy residue of his presence as he flows through us. That's why it's satisfying to serve him. Not because of what happens, but because when you serve him and the Holy Spirit flows through you, it's, there's like this spiritual residue that is pleasure and satisfaction and joy. And that's That's why it's so delightful to serve him. Follow, become, serve. That's the essence of the Christian life. I could just preach that every week. (laughs) Cut down on my preparation time. (laughs) Would you bow your heads? in the pages that we provide for the daily Bible readings and at the end of each sermon outline, I always put these questions and and I hope you pay attention to them because this is about the Holy Spirit teaching what you need to hear and guiding you to put it into practice. What stuck out to you? What is it that, that jumped out? What is it that lodged in your mind and your soul today. And then what, do you, what is God saying to you about what stuck out? 
And then what does he want you to do with it? Because it's as we notice what he points out, as we hear what he wants us to do with it, and then we put it into practice, we will be transformed. And we will be used as we serve. Lord, thank you for the truth that you teach us. But more than that, thank you for the presence of your spirit that helps us to experience that truth. I pray that you would help each one of us to experience what you're pointing out to us this week. And in doing so, that your, the, the glow of your spirit will shine through us to every person that we meet. And that, that we would delight in becoming more and more like you, even when it's painful and difficult, even when it's challenging and rough, that we would experience your delight. I pray for each one. God, walk them through this week in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.